Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Oh, this is the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Here at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, alongside Frankie Stample, I am Greg Sussman. Frankie, what's going on, bud? Greg, what's happening? Happy Tuesday to you, bud. Interesting night last night. We had some great basketball games. We had Paddock versus DeGrom. Absolutely insane. But then after that, you went to sleep, Greg. How did you sleep, buddy? So, Judy spent... Like four hours watching the Met Gala red carpet. Do you know what that is? The Met is the Metropolitan yep. Museum of Art. Right. Um, so I, I'm guessing they had some kind of event, Greg. Right. Yeah. You're right. So it's like a. It, Outside of that, I don't know. All good. So it's, a fa- it's like the biggest night in fashion where all these like celebrities go to the Met. It's sponsored by Anna Winter. Don't worry about it. And they, heard of her. Okay. So all these celebrities wear like ridiculous fashion and they walk this red carpet and you analyze it like it's the Oscars type of thing. So she had DVR'd that and watched like four hours of it. So by the time she was done, it was like, it actually worked out all right because it was right at the end of the Rockets game, like around midnight. So she was done. She came in. She watched like the last minute with me. Good. Like I'm great. Now I'm going to go to sleep feeling good, right? For some reason, she was hyper and just yapping away. And I'm like, listen, I'm trying to sleep. Like, I'm, I'm tired. And she's just like, yapping away. I finally fall asleep, and I wake up. I go, I'm, I'm tired still now. Because I, I was ready to sleep, and I, I couldn't go to sleep. So, I was just very tired when I woke up this morning. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm very tired as well. You made a lot of noise when she was getting ready for work today. I, me I, up. I know that frustrates you. It's not great. Yeah, I'm not really a morning guy. Look, You're not. Outside of that, yeah, a little croupy this morning as well. Um, more complaints about the weather, but whatever. Outside of that, life is good, Greg. Life's always good, Frank. Life's, life's always good. Unless you started Merrill Kelly. Because I had a home league where I started Merrill Kelly and Pedro Stroke, Greg. Uh, would you like to take a guess on what they combined for yesterday? Your ERA is probably around... It's a points league. Oh, God. I, d- d- negative points. Yes, lots of them. Yeah. Negative 20 combined. I wouldn't have gone that. that. Uh, yeah, that's a negative 20. That's Pedro Strope, unable to get an out against the Miami Marlins of all teams. And Merrill Kelly, negative 8. Those two basically canceled out what Desclafani gave me. So, good times, Greg. Well, that's kind of what happened in my, uh, my home league, where I picked up Merrill Kelly, as I said yesterday on the program, uh, and started at the same time as I started Blake Snell. And that, they canceled each other out as well. <laughs> Blake Snell was sorry. Let's let's start with Merrill Kelly because we mentioned him twice. Uh, Blake Snell versus Merrill Kelly, and 
Blake Snell had a return to dominance where he was perfect through five, then hit a batter and allowed a base hit, got pulled after six, was amazing. Merrill Kelly, not as much as Merrill Kelly's line here, Frank, was four innings, seven hits, seven runs, three walks, and two strikeouts. Can you drop Merrill Kelly? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, 12-team leagues. Probably even in 15-teamers. Overall, even the underlying numbers are not great. He's got a 4.85 ERA. Uh, The underlying numbers are pretty much in line with that. He's not a guy that gets a lot of strikeouts, and he's also walking a decent amount of batters, too. He's got a 3.92 walks per nine, Greg, and his K per nine is just over seven. So that's not really a good combination. He doesn't blow people away. He's more of a paint-the-corners kind of guy, 91, 92-mile-per-hour fastball. He has a big curveball, but... Overall, just doesn't have enough stuff. That's what it comes down to. He doesn't have enough swing and miss stuff. He walks too many batters. So overall, I would say you can drop him. I almost like hate dropped him last night. You ever do that, Greg? Like hate drop a player? I went to do it. Like, oh, yeah, you give me a negative eight points? Hate drop. I went to do Gone. it with Merrill Kelly last night, but there's like nobody good out there. <laughs> so he stole my team. Well, I have uh, I, Fab in my league. Uh, my home league goes through Wednesday night, Friday night, and Sunday night. Right. So he'll be off my team. Wednesday night. Nice. Let me know who you're picking up for him because I'll try to do the same thing. I think you can confidently drop him. Uh, and then Blake Snell, look, if they would have just kept him out this long and maybe he came back for this start, then we wouldn't have had the two blow-up starts. It seems like he's kind of getting his legs underneath him again. Uh, no pun intended, even though it was like a broken toe, whatever. It seems like he's starting to establish himself. Maybe he just really struggles against the Kansas City Royals. Maybe that's it. Because those two starts that he had where he was not himself... The Kansas City Royals bombed him. So it's either the Kansas City Royals see him really well or he was still kind of battling this fractured toe that he was dealing with and that ultimately affected his production. Mm -hmm. But either way, he got back to dominance last night. You mentioned it. I mean, he was just lights out. This was the Blake Snell that we saw early on in the season. Six innings, one hit, zero runs, zero walks. That's what I really love to see, man, the zero walks here. Uh, You mentioned he had the one hit by pitch. Nine strikeouts. He was absolutely dominant. Just kind of wished. Uh, just kind of wished the Rays kept him out for a couple more weeks. Seemed like I, I tend to lean towards that. He just wasn't one hundred percent yet, and he's probably getting closer to that now. So it's good to see. You needed to see that as a Blake Snell owner. Very much I, so. If I owned him, which I don't, um, not that I was opposed to taking him, I did have some concerns. But if I owned him and I saw these last two starts, I'm like, this broken toe thing is going to be a thing all season long. Now yep. uh, I'd be freaking out. So it's good to see a dominant star like this and kind of calm everything down. I very much agree with that. Two home runs by the Rays yesterday. Avisail Garcia and Tommy Pham each homered for Tampa Bay. Uh, Garcia's gotten most of the playing time for Austin Meadows. He was three for four, uh, still playing very, very well, while Tommy Pham continues to uh, do very well. I know he slumped a little bit, but the OBP over 400, average still over 300. Uh, Tommy Pham, Avisail, Garcia, both doing uh, overly well for you. Yandy Diaz went one for four with a run scored. In 12-team leagues, I I know the OBP is still 100 points higher than the average. In 12-team leagues, is Yandy Diaz droppable? I don't think so. I know that he's kind of cooled off recently. The batting average is down to 257. Um, I think we're going to see some ups and downs, right? Like, this is his first time as a full-time player. Uh, he's still doing a lot of really good things. 
Uh, he's walking a ton, too. He's part of a good lineup. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay Rays, I mean, they just continue to score runs. They they know how to put it together right now. Um, the walk rate is almost as high as the strikeout rate. He doesn't strike out all that much. So, you know, even in, obviously, I mean, in points, he's even better. Uh, the fact that he walks almost as much as he strikes out, uh, hits the ball decently hard, still hits the ball on the ground too much. We saw early on in the season he was starting to lift the ball a little bit more which is what we've talked about. If he can hit more fly balls, if he can hit more line drives, uh, because a lot of hitters have this issue. I mean, it's basically the way that you're taught to play. If the way that he taught to play uh, was taught to play was hit the ball as hard as you can and hit it into the ground, then that's what he's used to. But um, he made some adjustments early on, but now we see the ground ball rate start to, to creep back up. It's over 53%. I don't think I would drop him great. I think that I've seen enough early on in the season where I'm intrigued. And the walk rate is still really good. I, I would hold on to Yandy Diaz. I agree as... Oh, I just realized now that we moved the banner, I can't see the clock. Uh, that's an issue. <laughs> uh, it's 12-12, Greg. Ah, thank you. Um, anyway, with Yandy Diaz, he wasn't one of the guys that I picked up because they're hot. I picked him up because I thought that he could have a long-term lasting impact. Just because he's in a little bit of a slump right now doesn't mean that I want to cut Yandy Diaz. I'm holding on to him uh, for now, even me, Frank. Yeah, I was looking up the most added and dropped players right now on Yahoo and Yahoo. Like top 12 right now in most dropped players. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a reasonable question. So let's see who's, uh, who's the most added utility, uh, who, the most added bats right now. Yes. Chris Taylor. Who is red hot right now? We'll get to Chris Taylor in a little bit. It's four multi-hit games in a row. Am I dropping Yandy Diaz for Chris Taylor? I'm not. I'm not either. Derek Dietrich? You see, in a week like this week, they face, what, four lefties, Greg? It wasn't in the lineup yesterday against Drew Pomeranz. I'm not doing that either. Yep. Nick Senzel, sure, if he was out there, but I don't think he's out there in a lot of leagues. This might be a fair question, Greg. How about Howie Kendrick? He's been really good. He's batting 338. He's got five homers, 16 ribbies. He's been excellent. Even with Anthony Rendon coming back, seems like he's still going to play, I think. Because Matt Adams is hurt. And they, I mean, they can use him in the outfield a little bit. They can throw him at first base. They can move him around. Hmm. Yandy Diaz or Howie Kendrick, Greg? Probably Yandy Diaz for me. In a a 12-team league for me. That one's a little bit closer, man. Mm -hmm. Howie Kendrick is doing some really nice things this year. Uh, from a batted ball perspective. That's closer. I think I would lean with Yandy Diaz, but I do like some Howie Kendrick. Playing well. Nice little renaissance here from, uh, from Howie here. Look at it. Greg, 92.6 mile per hour average exit velocity for Howie Kendrick. His batting average is 338. His expected batting average is 339. So oh. all of his numbers pretty much line up with what he's doing. 52% hard hit rate. Oh, man. This is close. If I knew long-term that Howie Kendrick would have a job, because I don't think... I, I don't worry about Yandy Diaz's playing time. I, I feel like he's going to be in there regardless of what's going on. They clearly traded for him. They clearly like him a lot. And if I had more of an assurance that Howie Kendrick was going to be in the lineup long-term for the Washington Nationals, I'd probably go with him. Looking at, looking at these numbers, Greg. I like what I see. Before we continue on, a bit of NFL news I wanted to just quickly get to. Adam Schefter just tweeted out that Jason Pierre-Paul suffered a potential season-ending broken neck in a single-car accident last week in Florida, where he lives. He, visited, he will visit neck specialists this week to get their opinions to see if there's any hope to save his season. 
Wow. I know it's not fantasy related, but could affect those win totals in Tampa Bay. What is, it, what is the over-under right now in Tampa Bay? Do you know? I think it was six and a half. I feel like I heard Gabe talking about it recently, and he was really, really bullish on the Bucks. Which way? Over-under? Over. They get Bruce Arians. Uh, they obviously bring Todd Bowles in. Six and a half is right. Defense. Six and a half. They draft Devin White so they get their linebacker, but you lose a pass rusher like JPP. I mean, even last year, the Tampa Bay Bucks defense was not good. He had a great year, 12 but sacks. But he still, he still performed very well. So, yeah, that could potentially be a huge loss for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Six and a half right now, the over under in Vegas when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, that is a division that. Normally, we see a lot of Packers, right? Exactly. Cliff the flop a lot. Like, one team will start at the bottom, and then now we're here. Sorry, Greg. It's okay, buddy. That was a bad one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, 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 I say it so confidently. Come I understand. On. Okay, so, Ian, you mentioned Howie Kendricks. Let's get to the Washington Nationals, which is up next. You had Steven Strasburg go uh, for Washington against Yulee Chassin. Well, that's not Fimble. true, Greg. I, was, I meant Max Scherzer. Excuse me. Mad Max. Excuse me. I wrote it down. Two different Max eye Scherzer. colors. I wrote it down, Max Scherzer. Isn't that the weirdest thing, Greg? Two different eye colors. It's two different. I feel like it. I've wasn't, seen that before. It wasn't always that prominent, though, was it? Yes. Really, even back to like his Tigers days. Uh, yeah. Hmm? All right. I had some kind of conspiracy theory in my mind that he went and got like one of his eye colors changed, or he's just wearing like, a, a contact to make him stronger. Yeah, something like that. But he doesn't like seeing that guy. It like is that. very. It is a very interesting thing going on there with Max Scherzer's eye. Yeah. I do appreciate that his uh, his Funko pops. Some Funko Pops on the set here. Um, well, you can't see them actually right now. But anyway, yeah, his, his Funko Pop has two different eye colors. Very accurate. I appreciate that. Scherzer last night was awesome. He went six innings, allowed six hits, two runs, only one of them were earned. He walked one, he struck out ten. On the other side, Elise Chassin did enough. Five innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, three Ks. Why am I going into this game? Well, Howard Kendrick won. The second thing is who got the save in Milwaukee last night. The bullpen blew it uh, for Max Scherzer and co. And for the Brewers, with Josh Hader needing a night off, Jeremy Jeffers pitched the eighth, and Junior Guetta pitched the ninth for his second save of the year, Frank. Jeffers in the eighth, Guerra in the ninth. So my first initial instinct was to go back to the play-by-play and see who was up in the eighth for the Nationals. Kurt Suzuki... Brian Dozier, William Defoe. Not William Defoe. Wilmer Defoe. William Defoe is an actor. Wilmer Defoe. Green Goblin. That's right. See, I know my actors. That's correct. Wilmer Defoe. In the ninth, where you saw Junior Guerra, Michael Taylor, Carter Kierbrum, and not Aaron Nola, but someone named Noel. So, filling in at first base for them right now. Sure. Not Matt Adams. Okay. He's hurt. Got it. What do you make of this in Milwaukee? Uh, I think it's just very clearly uh, Junior Guerra, former starting pitcher. He's been pitching well out of the bullpen. Is he so related far this to year. Javi Guerra? I, I honestly can't answer that question. Uh, but he does have two saves on the year. Josh Hader has nine. They have 12 as a team. Alex Wilson had one as well earlier on in the season. He is not. When they signed him. Uh, but it does seem like Junior Guerra is the handcuff here behind Josh Hader, and it's not Jeremy Jeffers, who has also pitched well. He's got a 2.08 ERA, 148 batting average against. Junior Guerra, a little bit better. 118 batting average against, a 0.79 whip. He's got 17 strikeouts and 20 in the third, so not getting a ton of strikeouts. Listen to this, Greg. This is crazy. 
Junior Guerra has 17 strikeouts in 20 and one-third innings pitched. Josh Hader has 17 and two-thirds innings pitched. So about two, three innings less. Again, Junior Guerra has 17 strikeouts. Uh, How many do you think Josh Hader has? 35. 39. He has 22 more strikeouts. That's absolutely insane. I don't, I'm not reading too much into this, Greg. I just think if anything were to happen to Josh Hader, it would probably go to a committee approach kind of thing. Okay. But I think as of right now, Junior Guerra is the next man. If you're not in a keeper league, should you drop Carter Keebum? Not yet. I'm not ready to give up. I, you know what? We made a lot of references to Alex Bregman when Carter Keebum first got called up. Alex Bregman did something very similar to this, and then he took off. I'm not giving up yet. We'll take a break. When we come back, the awesomeness that was Paddock versus the Grom. Stick around. More on the way right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. The following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day. 10 an hour. One person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621. 866-484-9621. That's 866-484-9621. Game time decisions. You know, it's funny, actually. So we had Jerry Bailey out. Yeah, first thing he asked, he goes, well, you guys watch horse racing or only the Kentucky Derby? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I, I told him, I said, no, no, I own a horse. And you know, I go to the Meadowlands every day. He's like, okay, okay, okay. They basically wanted to talk whether we knew what we were good talking about or not. You know what I mean? Yes. He said, yeah, I just wondered, do you guys, like, follow this stuff or is it just sort of? <laughs> I said, no, no, yeah, yeah. Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. BFFs, Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Stample, Sussman. And while most of America was watching the Rockets and the Warriors, there was a hell of a baseball game that was going on uh, out there in San Diego. The Padres and the Politans. Who would have thought? The Politans, worst record than the Padres here at this point. Padres sit at 20 and 16. The Mets now 16 and 19 after getting shut out in San Diego last night. Chris Paddock is everything that fantasy experts wanted him to be when this season began. Only Jesus Lazardo was there as well. Paddock, seven and two thirds, just four hits allowed, zero runs allowed, 
One walk, 11 strikeouts. He threw just 91 pitches. On the other side, Jacob DeGrom was very good as well, just not as good. He went seven innings, allowed four hits, two runs, one walk, and he struck out seven, Frank. This one was good. Yeah, it was really good. And you're right about most of America watching the uh, the Rockets and the Warriors. I had that on the big screen, and then I had Paddock and DeGrom on the laptop. So I had both of those things going on at the same time. And it was well worth it. You had to watch what was going on in this game. It, like, Paddock was just a madman last night. I tweeted about how angry he pitches Greg. Uh, he reminds me of Jake Peavy back in the day. A lot of people used to call Jake Peavy the bulldog. If you watch him pitch, he would just, like, snarl at people while mm-hmm. he was pitching I, stuff. I saw these comparisons yesterday. And... Paddock, dude, a lot of the same, man. He's just angry. He's striking out Pete Alonso. He's walking off the mound. I didn't know that he had such a rivalry with Pete Alonso uh, until I was watching this start, and then I saw stuff like afterwards while it was going on uh, that apparently on Instagram, Chris Paddock uh, commented on MLB's post about Pete Alonso winning the National League Rookie of the Week or Rookie of the Month or something like that. He was like, yeah, we'll see. We'll see on Monday. Little eyes emoji. So he was fired up for this one. He was ready. Um, he got the best out of Pete Alonzo as well, and he's just been awesome. Uh, seven and two thirds and eleven strikeouts; those were both season highs from obviously career highs. His first season in in the big leagues. Uh, twenty one swinging strikes overall. This Mets lineup has not been good over the past couple of weeks or so, so I, I would not be opposed to streaming starting pitchers. I almost went as far as to uh, suggest a Cal Quantrill as a streamer tonight. Sure, on my Patreon, Greg. But I was like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, like the I Mets have been bad, but I don't think I, I can I could recommend. I considered guys. picking. Listen, I considered picking up Cal Quantrill, who has the prospect pedigree, uh, former top pick for San Diego, uh, who has not exactly lit the world on fire in the minor leagues. But I'm interested in Cal Quantrill to see what he can become in the major leagues. By the way, I just randomly looked this up because you're talking about Paddock. So I looked at Jesus Lazardo, see if I can find any information. There's nothing been written about him in like the last couple of weeks. I know he started a pro, uh, throwing program uh, about two weeks ago now. Do you know where he went to high school? The answer is Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in Parkland, Florida. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And he was supposed to actually have uh, faced live hitters, a live batting practice um, session in, at Stoneman Douglas because he still works out there in the offseason. Wow. Yeah. Anthony Rizzo also went there, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I remember he did a, he did a lot after everything that happened there. He you know, just obviously that. spoke openly about it and everything. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I would expect Luzardo, I don't know, what's realistic, early June? Maybe we should get an update from uh, so Dr. I, Ray. I'm yeah, sure. maybe. So he's not supposed to be ready for the minors, I think, I just right until the end of May. So you're looking at the All-Star break yeah, if he's back. probably. Man, that uh, sucks. Anyway, Paddock's been being uh, ridiculous and, and phenomenal. And- well, great. We have to address the elephant in the room, too. Going on here with Paddock, yep. what do you do if you own him? Uh, you ride the wave and enjoy yourself? Well, you know, we get more of an update yesterday regarding his, his innings limit, and they're saying 130 to 150 innings. Well, guess what? He just went seven and two-thirds last night. That adds a decent chunk to that total. I'm just saying, I don't know that his value will ever be higher than it is right now. In Keeper and Dynasty, I'm not trading him. I mean, look, I'm just, unless I get... Look, give me your five best players, and I'm, I'm trying to win it all this year. Outside of that, I'm holding on to Chris Paddock. But in a redraft, Greg, are you really, are you, is that how you actually feel? You're just, you're just riding it out? And then if it comes, you know, once we get to July, August, September, like, they'll skip him a few times through the rotation, maybe just give him a phantom IL stint, and 
whatever. You'll just take whatever you can get from him whenever he starts because you know, right now you might be able to turn him into a top 20, top 25 starting pitcher who maybe gives you 180 innings. You're not interested in that? No. In all honesty, I look at Chris Paddock and I think more along the lines of what you were just saying the second half of your statement that if this team is contending, a team that is built to contend right now with Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer, and certainly the future as well, but a team that has not been in the playoffs in a long time that want to win now, I know that the update was 130, 140 innings. Maybe he winds up in the bullpen at some point for the playoffs. But I don't, just don't think he just shuts down and goes away. I don't think that happens. And I think down the stretch, I think he could, he'll wind up contributing to your team. Do you think we could have like a Walker Bueller situation on our hands here? Similarly, how last year he goes 137, but then they kind of save some of it for the playoffs too. He ends up going like, even with the playoffs combined, it was like 170 something. You see that as like a realistic situation for Chris Paddock? Yes. All right. Well, that would put him right around 140 for the season. And then they'll save whatever else for if they make the playoffs, obviously. I mean, we've got a long way to go for the baseball season. Maybe they play in like a. Uh, wild card game. I would imagine he'd be the starting pitcher for that. A lot, can, pitcher. I mean, a lot can change from yeah. now to the wild card game in October. But right now, there is no doubt that Chris Paddock is the best pitcher on the San Diego Padres. It's not even close. No, it's not. It's not close. I'm not doubting the talent. I, I, I am realizing how good he is. I mean, the guy was absolutely nasty. He's only allowed one walk, or exactly one walk, in six of seven starts. His command is exactly what it was made out to be. His fastball changeup combination is awesome. He has a 12 to 6 curveball that he mixes in. He's absolutely legit. Just worry about the longevity of his season. Maybe, maybe this is something that we come back to in maybe like a month or two from now. But as we get closer to that innings limit, it's going to be harder to trade him away. You know what I just found out, by the way? What's up? Another uh, note as we continue on Mike Florio me. still plays in an XFIP league. Oh, no. Hmm? And I saw to, you roll your eyes about something over there. This has nothing to do with John Gray. This is just, he's, he's in an XFIP league, right? Like, there's some people that are just slave to the advanced metrics. They just don't care about the results. And I think that's what Mike Florio is. So Eno Saris tweeted out the pitchers who are most projected to bounce back based on Steamer. And the number one pitcher is Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is filthy, right? But he also allows Homer, 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 right? He's optioned the minors, got called back up. What did he do? Homers. Mike Florio... I like this a lot. I stand by, stand by that Corbin Burns stuff. is absolutely filthy. It is filthy, but he sucks. That's all I got. Yeah, and he's not, I mean, from a fantasy perspective, too, like, they've already said he's going to continue to be a reliever. Like, he's not going to be a starting pitcher, so, I mean, I, I think he has nasty stuff, too. He does like, have oh, nasty stuff. It. I mean, he throws, like, mid to upper yeah, 90s. Yeah, it's he's sick. Got, he's got the wipeout slider. But it's not going to translate It's because he sucks. It's probably going to come at some point, Greg, but... I mean, just from a fantasy perspective, if you're looking down the line, obviously, like, if, someone, if you could buy him low in Dynasty, sure, that's fine. Sure. In, like, redraft, he's not going to help you this year. I mean, even as a reliever, maybe he'll get you some strikeouts, but uh, he does have a 9.39 ERA, Greg. God awful. He does have the, the 3.70 extra. He's got a 48% home run to fly ball ratio. I mean, that's just insane. I know he, he pitches in Miller Park, but that's insane. Overall, I just don't think that he's going to help you much. This season. But if you play in a dynasty league, different he's someone that I would look to, uh, look to buy low. I do think that he has good stuff. 
But it, you're right. I mean, the results have not shown that. And I, I can't defend the results right now, but the underlying numbers say that he should be better. DeGrom, as I said, was very, very good last night uh, for the Mets. He's got no help uh, with the bat at all. Just four hits total for the Mets all night long, two of which came up from the leadoff. He was having like PTSD from last year? You know what? No, because I think he was just happy. <laughs> he wants to tie young last year anyway. I, I just think he was happy to pitch well again. Yeah, he, I mean, look at his, uh, his past two starts. I mean, he's allowed two earned runs over his last 14 innings pitch over his last two starts. He had a bit of a blow-up on uh, April 26th against the Milwaukee Brewers. It's the Milwaukee Brewers, and that was his first game coming back from uh, the flu, whatever was going on in his elbow, basically. Um, so give him a pass for that one. But his past two starts, he's been pretty standard Jacob deGrom. Um, how do you feel about him overall right now? Do you still have the elbow thing in the back of your mind if you're a Jacob deGrom owner? You know what? I don't actually own deGrom anywhere me neither. this year. So I, could- I wouldn't have been opposed to it. I would have taken him in the main event. He didn't make it to me. Let me ask this. Martino, you're the Mets fan. Is the elbow in the back of your mind every start? Um, no matter who the pitcher is for the <laughs> Yobo is in the back of my mind. Um, no, he had a similar issue to the beginning of last year, and then it proved to be That's nothing. That's right. That's right. Um, so, no, I'm not really worried. If he says he's fine, then he's fine, but I don't trust the Mets managing him, if that's the real question. All right. So, not really. He seems fine. So, there you go. Okay. Martino, as, as the resident Mets fan here on the show, are you, how concerned are you with, like, all of the Mets hitters. Yeah, I was just going to say everything. I was going down <laughs> one by one. I was like, all right, how um, concerned are you by every one of them? I am concerned by everyone except Pete Alonso and Conforto. Makes sense. sense. You're your best players. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I understand Pete's going to go through some ups and downs right. as a rookie, you know. But Conforto is still a beast, though. I mean, when has this guy ever had protection in the lineup? Maybe when Cespedes was healthy, but I'm, I'm very worried about Cano. Been hit on the hand twice, and, and he hasn't rebounded from it at all. Um, I, what, with Nimmo's like an almost an 0 for 30 stretch. I mean, it's just really, it's just awful. It's just, it's just like last year, um, and I don't really see them turning it around at all. I, w- I would put Jeff McNeil in that category too. Just what I've seen oh, from him so far yes. this year. Squirrel. Yeah, I mean his his bat to ball skills. Uh, he doesn't strike out again. He's a young Daniel Murphy. Makes a lot of contact. Goes two for four last night. Uh, 350 batting average right now. I mean, this guy is going to be a legitimate contributor for batting average. Outside of that, I don't know that he's going to do anything else. Like, I don't know that he has a lot of pop. I don't know that he has a lot of uh, speed. But the batting average is going to be there. And if he's leading off, he's going to score runs. Uh, if you know, if these guys start to get going again, I mean, Pete Alonso over four with three strikeouts. But again, uh, I think they'll be all right. I was very surprised to see Jed Larry will come back soon too, so maybe that's a boost. Yeah, I mean, it'll be a boost. Where does he fit into all of this, though? I, they were talking about shortstop a little bit because Rosario has had like ten errors uh, the past like six games. Yeah, I saw Hechevarria um, in the lineup last night. I was like, uh, why is this guy in the lineup? Uh, well, there's there's a lot of questions like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, he does play good defense, and I saw some uh, Mets beat writers tweeting about it last night. I think it was Zacomo. He was saying. Hechevarria has made at least two plays already tonight that I, I question Ahmed Rosario would have made. So that's why he's in the lineup. They finally care about defense. Now, if they come back and they put Jed Lowry at that shortstop, then they clearly don't care about defense, which has been the case for a long time with the Mets. You would think they're kind of a team more built around their pitching staff, obviously, like as good as they can be. You would think that they would surround them with better defenders overall, but that has been oh, the pitching staff that can't hold on to runners on base. Like Noah, I mean, I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, Wilson Ramos too. That's like that's a guy who who's been awful. I think I own him in one league. I mean, he just hasn't been able to get the ball off the ground. 
He's been a bunch of ground balls, too. Can't throw anybody out. So, I mean, it's same old story. They haven't fixed any issues. It's, all, it's most of the same stuff, but they have Pete Alonso now, and that's the only difference. Yeah, I would say I feel bad for you and other Mets fans, uh, Martino. We just But I'd be lying. <laughs> In this San Diego game last night, Kirby Yates needed the night off, and I had also blown the last couple it was Craig Stammen getting the four-out save, coming in the eighth for Chris Paddock, getting the out, and staying in there in the ninth. Stammen's first save of the year. Kirby Yates' job is not in danger, but, Frankie, if anything happens to Kirby Yates, it looks like Stammen is the handcuff. Yeah, and I'll have my updated closer tracker coming out these next couple of days on my Patreon account. Ding. But, uh, yeah, I basically do who's the closer for each team, who's the handcuff, who's the next man up, and then who's like the next man up after that if you want to get real deep and just to have an idea. So I think Craig Stammen is unquestionably the next man up. I've had him as that all season long. Uh, the strikeouts haven't been there this year for Stammen, but he hasn't been walking anybody. He's got a 2.75 ERA. He's got a 3.67 XFIP. So overall, he's getting 50% ground balls. If anything were to happen to Yates, who's been you know, one of the, what, three, five best closers in fantasy so far this year, uh, I think Craig Stammen would be the next man up. Speaking of closers, let me head out to Los Angeles, where the Dodgers picked up a victory against the Atlanta Braves as Walker Bueller goes seven innings, five hits, three runs, eight strikeouts. What did you think of Bueller's performance? I have cautious optimism here, Greg. And, Finally. And here is, here is why I'll say it. I love that he didn't walk anyone yesterday because we've seen a few random starts this year where he struggled with command, and that's not usually something that Walker Bueller struggles with. He does give up two home runs yesterday, one to Freddie Freeman, one to Mark Kakis. Those came later on in the game, you know, third time through the lineup. Yep. That was uh, Freeman in the sixth. That was Mark Kakis in the seventh. Overall, I was impressed with what I saw. He had eight strikeouts. That was a season high for Walker Buehler. He goes seven innings. But here's why I say cautious, Greg. He threw 75 four-seam fastballs. He had 100 pitches and threw 75 fastballs. Now, I'll throw this your way because this is my thinking, and this is just me being speculative, another conspiracy theory, if you will. Why is he shying away from throwing breaking balls, Greg? That's what I want to know. And I'll keep going back to what we heard in spring training. He was dealing with dead arm, something in his arm. It didn't feel right. He was going with what was working last night. That's fine. 75 fastballs. He had 13 swinging strikes overall on 100 pitches. It was his best start. He was establishing the, fast, uh, the, the strike zone. I read about it afterwards. Dave Roberts said this was by design. This is what we wanted to do. We wanted him to establish the fastball. We wanted to see good command of the fastball, and that's exactly what we saw. But I will just throw it out there, Greg, that I am ever so slightly worried that he isn't throwing as many breaking pitches this year, and it might have something to do with the arm. I'll just throw it out there. So, my answer to last night was, you talked about how he has struggled this year, how you haven't been confident in him. I think he had a game plan. I'm just going to work my fastball in more than I have, get that confidence, and if it's working, awesome. If it's not, I'll go back to trying to throw the junk. And last night, for the most part, very successful with those 75 fastballs. I think as the feel gets better, he'll go back to the breaking ball. I think last night isn't necessarily a sign, a major sign to come, but I'm not discouraged by the thought, I, by the start. I'm more encouraged by the start. 
from Walker Buehler. Yeah, I like it overall, too, because I, I don't want to sound like I'm downplaying it. This is another great start that you needed to see from Walker Buehler. Of course, you would have liked to not see the, the home runs late in the start, but again, it was the third time through the lineup. He still went deep into this game. He threw 100 pitches, seven innings, eight strikeouts. It was overall a very good start and didn't walk anyone. So I like it. I don't want to downplay it too much. But I want to see moving forward. Because overall this season, Greg, he hasn't really been using his breaking stuff as much. He's used, he is throwing more fastballs. He was throwing about like 60 fast, uh, 60% fastballs coming into the start. Well, 75 divided by 100, that's 75%. 75% of his pitches in the start were four-seam fastballs. It did work for him. But it's something that I'm going to pay attention to. I'll just I'll throw it out there. I have cautious optimism when it comes to walking. We'll take a break. I want to mention you got the save for LA last night, which is how I got there. Mention a couple other things like Chris Taylor and see how much we're buying him right now and hit on a whole lot more baseball. Lots to go on. What's what John means today also? John means, yeah, that's right. We're doing it today. It's a fantasy best friends forever. It's a fantasy sports radio network. Fantasy Sports Network is ready to take you out to the ballgame. Our experts and analysts are following the boys of summer through all 162 games of the 2019 MLB season with the best fantasy baseball analysis in the industry. Catch the latest news and notes every day to help you win your fantasy leagues and your DFS tournaments. We'll always want you back listening and watching the Fantasy Sports Network on the FNTSY radio app and the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, where we're root, root, rooting for your fantasy baseball team. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European and Long Drive Tour champion, 2017 world number one. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Weekend Fantasy Update. You go up to a guy and go, hey, man, I want you to dress up on Star Wars Day and go and hand these things out to fans. Most players would be like, suck it. Give me some more money to go do that. You know, you understand where I'm coming from? Like, that's CeCe Sabathia. Like, wow, I don't know what to say about this guy. I've always been a fan. That is all class because he doesn't have to do stuff like that. That's what separates uh, good guys in the league. And little kids, imagine that. You go up there and you get a bobblehead and you see the guy dressed up as Yoda. That's cool. It's something you remember. Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, only at rotoexperts.com. So Kelly Jensen had the night off last night, Frank, which led to a different Dodger getting the save. And you might have thought you would see Pedro Baez in there in the ninth, but he pitched the eighth. Pitched the ninth and getting his first career save was Julio Urias. They clean inning, struck out one. His first career save. If anything happens to Kenley Jansen, do you believe Urias is the guy? It's a situation to pay attention to uh, moving forward. Everyone, uh, like, 
Joe Kelly has been an abject failure in this bullpen so far this year. I think they like Pedro Baez more as a setup guy, too, and he's struggled with giving up home runs in the past, too, so there's not a lot of talent here in the back end overall, or at least guys haven't shown up. Uh, Dylan Floro is another one who's performed well thus far, uh, but doesn't really have closing experience. I think Urias uh, would be in the mix. Maybe it would be a thing where they uh, where they play matchups. Maybe it would be a little bit of him, a little bit of Pedro Baez, uh, based on who's coming up in the ninth. But it was uh, it was definitely interesting to see. You know, Walker Bueller handed off to to Baez, then handed off to Julio Urias. So uh, getting major contributions from their young players here are the Dodgers. But it's not like Urias can't handle it. He's got 31 strikeouts and 25 and a third innings pitch so far this year. 198 batting average against. Uh, we all saw Kenley Jansen get bombed on Sunday, gave up the grand slam to Hunter Renfro, which really has inflated his ERA. He still has 12 saves and in 14 save opportunities. It's not the same pitcher that he has been in years past where he was like the number one closer off the board going in the third or fourth round as lights out as he has been. Going back to last year, I think um, it was 2017. Going as deep into the postseason as he did, I think it kind of messed him up. He's been doing that for so long. Uh, he's just not the same pitcher that he once was. But overall... He still has been pretty good thus far this season. Um, but I, I think it's a fair question now that we see Julio Urias get in the mix. So if anything were to happen to Kenley Jansen, I think it would kind of be a mix and match thing, Greg. Mix and match is usually what it turns into in these bullpens when the closer goes down. Urias will be a part of that, but he could also uh, get back into the starting rotation, although I have a feeling Ross Stripling will be probably the next guy up if there is an injury in that Dodgers rotation. Chris Taylor had his third steal last night, and as you mentioned earlier in the program, Frank, he's got a little bit of hot as of late. Two for four last night, a couple of RBI. Uh, batting average is still at 231. OBP still sits under 300, but Taylor's been a little bit hotter as of late. Uh, any interest in him, and if so, how much? I would say in a head-to-head daily league where you could set your lineup and get him in there whenever he's in the lineup. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, if any, in any deeper leagues, anything deeper than 12 teams. Like for me, 12 teamers, I'm not there yet with him, Greg. Okay. Because I still do have some questions about the playing time. But again, head-to-head daily leagues where you could set your lineup, you could just get him in there whenever he plays or anything deeper than a 12-team league. 14 teams or deeper if he was out there, if he was dropped. He is only owned in... Well, I wish I could tell you, Greg. I actually checked mine out also. So I don't, I don't have it uh, he's, his name is... It's Taylor. T-A-Y. Here we go. 30%. He's 30% owned. So uh, a lot of people still overall holding on to, uh, to Chris Taylor here. I thought he would be owned in a little bit, uh, little bit less than that, Greg. But he is hot. I mean, it just tells you how slow of a start he got off to. Even with how hot he has been, he's still only hitting 230 over the past two weeks. A 316 batting average, 894 OPS. Two home runs, 11 ribbies, two stolen bases. Five runs scored. I kind of like Chris Taylor coming into the year. Um, that was before we knew that Kike Hernandez was going to take over as a starting second baseman. Just because I thought it was cheap exposure to the Dodgers lineup. He has a little bit of a power-speed combination. He has played each of their past six games. So it is something to pay attention to. Head-to-head uh, head uh, head -head daily leagues and deeper than 12 teams. I, I would be looking for him right now, but... 12-teamers, I'm not there yet, Greg. All righty. 12-teamers, not yet for Chris Taylor. 
You had Ozzy Alvey steal his fourth base of the year. Dansby Swanson, his double play partner, steal his third base of the year. Uh, Swanson last night was batting 6-1 for three, uh, batting 263. I mentioned going into the break, Frank, that I wanted to mention... I wanted to mention John Means and what a John Means was. Now, I don't know if it was you guys or somebody else on Twitter, to be honest with you, that said, hey, any interest in John Means? This was last week. I'm like, no, I, I don't have interest in John Means. And then last night, at home against Boston, Means pitched really, really well. The final line was seven innings, three hits, one run. He walked nobody. And he struck out four. His season ERA sits at 2.48. Josh Smith pitched for Boston. Nothing to see there. Michael Givens got his fourth save and clearly solidified himself after a rough start as a closer. He went with a month without a save, but he's the closer uh, out there in Baltimore. But more importantly, Frank, talk to me about John Means, who now sits at 4-3. and He started the season in the bullpen. As recently as two to three weeks ago, he's in the bullpen. Now he's very firmly entrenched in the rotation. He's had, I believe, uh, his last three starts, he went five innings, four hits, one run, struck out six. Start after that, both against Chicago Whites, the White Sox, by the way, five innings, six hits, four runs, uh, two homers, only struck out two. And then last night against Boston, I gave you the line, he had 11 ground ball outs. Frank, what, what do you know about John Means? So I started looking into him last night once I saw his line as well. I mean, you just can't ignore going seven innings pitched, uh, only one earned run uh, against the Boston Red Sox. I was about to say Boston Celtics, Greg. Uh, but I'll, I'll do you one further. You, you, spent, you mentioned his last three starts, uh, his last four starts, two against the White Sox, two against the Red Sox, 22 innings pitched, seven earned runs, only 15 strikeouts, only three walks as well, though, over a four-star stretch. It's a 2.86 ERA. The underlying numbers for John Means are not... Eye-popping, to say the least. He's got a 2.48 ERA. His XFIP is 4.43. He does get ground balls, as you mentioned, 45% of the time. Uh, the swinging strike rate, above average as well. Well above average. Almost 14%. Uh, I do have some interest in deeper leagues. If you wanted to take a shot on John Means over like a Merrill Kelly, sure. I mean, he's still going to have a lot of starts against teams in the American League East. He doesn't pitch in a great ballpark in Camden Yards. But he's going to continue to get an opportunity because the Orioles pitching staff is just really bad. So as long as he's getting that opportunity and as long as he's pitching pretty well, again, a 2.86 ERA over his last four, you could take a shot. But I do think that there is going to be some regression. The division that he plays in, the ballpark that he pitches in, it's just, it doesn't all really add up to being fantasy viable, Greg, overall. But if you wanted to take a shot while he's pitching well, drop like a Merrill Kelly for him. I don't have a problem with it. John Means' second start this week is on Sunday at home against the Angels. Merrill Kelly, who's the example you gave, his second start this week is against the Braves. Who would you rather start? Means. We'll start Means, okay. Yeah. The Braves overall this season have been still a pretty good lineup. Uh, the Angels, up and down, a little bit inconsistent. Uh, outside of Mike Trout, you don't really worry about much there. Um, I'll take John Means. Okay, so John Means will be your guy uh, in that scenario. Uh, as we said, Baltimore won this one 4-1. to one. Uh, All of their runs come on a grand slam by Jonathan VR For VR. it was his fourth homer of the season, um, the only hit that he had. Uh, and that was kind of it. That was a big blow uh, for Baltimore. No other runs were scored. Speaking of pitching and guys that you liked, Frank, Martin Perez went into Toronto. <laughs> And that was the reaction that we just got. Martin Perez, seven innings, two hits, walked two, but he struck out nine, allowing no runs across the board 
for Toronto yesterday. Martin Perez now improved to 5-0 and on the season. Greggy, give me all the Martin Perez. I know it was against the Toronto Blue Jays. They are a very cold lineup right now. Um, I thought Why do you was- use cold lineup and not bad lineup? They're cold. Okay. Because I, I assume that they're going to get better, Greg. I mean, is Vladimir Guerrero going to be this bad all season long? Uh, no, but everybody else, will, everybody else will probably be. Ah, come on. Don't say that, Greg. When you're leading, when your top three hitters are Eric Sogard, Freddy Galvis, and Randall Grichik, I don't expect much. I don't care what their averages are this season. Mm-hmm. I don't expect much. But the reinforcements are coming, Greg. Not that soon, Frankie. Kevon Biggio is mashing in the minors right now. We'll see. We, we shall see. Uh, I think that the Toronto Blue Jays lineup will get better. They have been a team that you could take advantage of. They swing and miss a lot. They strike out a lot. Uh, and Martin Perez showed that off last night. He was absolutely awesome, Greg. Um, you know, he had the, the seven, seven shutout innings here. Only two hits, two walks, nine strikeouts. Uh, the nine strikeouts were uh, tied to career high. They're obviously a season high for him as well. He's now 5-0. and He's got a 2.83 ERA. He had 15 swinging strikes on 102 pitches, Greg. Uh, I thought it was interesting. He threw his changeup 26 times. That was a season high for him. He had five swinging strikes on that changeup. So he's doing things a little bit differently this year. I think it's addition by subtraction for Martin Perez because his fastball, according to pitch values on fan graphs, has been a very bad pitch the past couple of years. And now he's adopted this cutter that he's throwing about you know, 35% of the time this year. So I think the fact that he's using his four-seam fastball less and using his cutter more and starting to, to integrate a changeup too now that he's using... Um, I, I'm intrigued. I'm really buying in. It's the increased velocity for Martin Perez as well. His last three starts, 21 innings pitched, 12 hits, four walks, one earned run, 20 strikeouts, Greg. I'm all in. All in. All in on Martin Perez. All in on Marty Perez is our own Frankie Stample. I, I would drop Merrill Kelly for him. I, I, could, I could probably find some other starting pitchers that I would drop for him too. He, he needs to be owned, Greg. I agree. At this point, Martin Perez has done enough that he has to be owned. He should be owned. Only 45% owned. Pick him up. Pick him up. You got to pick him up. He's got that second start this week as well. Yes, he does. Uh, That's part of the reason we were trying to get on him. We spoke about him yesterday with Modica, too. Uh, I'm looking at the most dropped players in Yahoo right now. Vince Velasquez, gone. I I would drop him for Martin Perez as well. Kevin Gausman, the gas man, more like the gas can. He's gone for Martin Perez. Carlos Rodon. He's, who knows what's going on with him? He's about to have Tommy John surgery. He's gone. Um, Felix Hernandez. Why was Felix Hernandez owned in the first place? I know he has two starts, but come on. That guy's like a shell of his former self. He shouldn't have even been on your team. Gone. Drew Pomeranz. Gone. Jeff Samarja. Gone. Kyle Freeland. Gone. Andy DiScofani, I like too, but gone. Joey Lucchese. Gone. All gone for Martin Perez. He's the guy. He's the top pitcher that needs to be added right now. Hope I got through to everyone, Greg. I'm all in. I'm Marty <laughs> Perez. I'm all in. You know, a lot of phrases I never thought that I would say are happening this year, Greg. And being, being excited about Martin Perez, saying I'm all in on Martin Perez, has to be at, at the top of the list. Or it's the top, Greg. Sure. Never thought I'd say it. Never. Let's go, Marty. Twinkie, your Twinkies. Eight, nine, nine. Marty, uh, Marty, Marcus Stroman uh, dropped to one and five last night. The ERA still sits under three. A little regression alert here. Uh, six runs allowed. Five of them were earned. Two walks, two Ks, uh, eight hits against the uh, ferocious Twins lineup. 
The ferocious. This is now two starts in a row now for Marcus Stroman that we're starting to see a little bit of re- regression. But he wasn't going to pitch to the sub-1 or sub-2 ERA that he had uh, all season long. We knew that. Uh, still struggles with getting swings and misses. Still walks too many guys at times. Uh, finally allowed his first home run last night. And not only did he allow his first, he allowed his second. He allowed two home runs last night, too. So uh, there was going to be some regression coming for uh, Marcus Stroman. Still overall in the season, Greg, he's been very good. He's got a 2.96 ERA, but 3.55 walks per nine. It's just he has a lot of movement on his pitches, and I think at times he doesn't know where they're going to go as well. He has, he has some he struggles with the strike zone at times, but he just doesn't strike out enough batters to mitigate his walks. That's always kind of been an issue for him. He's able to wiggle out of it at times because he has the 55% ground ball rate, yep. so he gets a lot of uh, double play balls, but doesn't really have a good defense behind him, too. Vladimir Guerrero's not going to help out that defense. Uh, so overall, he's going to continue to regress. He's got a 2.96 ERA. He's got a 3.96 XFIP. I would probably bet on him landing closer to that XFIP. I, I think he's probably more so... 3-7, 3-8 ERA pitcher just because of where he pitches, the defense behind him, the American League East as well. The Yankees are hopefully going to get healthy at some point. The Red Sox uh, offense is going to bounce back. So there, there's going to continue to be some more regression for Marcus Stroman. That doesn't mean drop him, but he's just not going to put up the same numbers that he was early on in the season. Greg. More, yeah, Marcus Stroman, you can't drop him, unfortunately, as you mentioned, but I don't think we kind of saw this coming. Yeah, no, well, a lot of people like Marcus Stroman. You know, they've seen what he's done in, like, the World Baseball Classic the past couple of years. He's a fiery dude. Uh, you know, people are attracted to his his personality, Greg, the way he carries himself. On Definitely, the oh, absolutely. And absolutely. He's, he's a fun guy to watch, so I think that's why he might get a little bit overrated at times. I agree. Fantasy. And I, I've, I've been a Marcus Stroman supporter in the past, but I think we have too much of a sample size now. I think he has really good stuff. You watch him pitch, but for whatever reason, there are he's just not consistent enough. He doesn't... Put it together, all together, enough for me. I think if you were able to harness all of the talent that he has on a more consistent basis, then, you know, maybe potentially he would be a top 30 starting pitcher for fantasy purpose, and he'd be able to help out the Blue Jays a little bit more. Hell, there's a chance that he gets traded. They've already talked about that. There was a report from Ken Rosenthal over the past couple of weeks that the Blue Jays are going to be fire-sailing anyone who's over the age of 25, basically. So that would include Marcus Stroman. I think he's talented, but for whatever reason, Greg, he's never been able to put everything together on a consistent basis. Nope, he has not. Very, very frustrating. For Minnesota, though, I wanted to have a conversation here on Jorge Polanco because he had his seventh home run last night. I mentioned previously at the beginning of the season that I thought Eddie Rosario was the most underappreciated player in baseball. I feel like Jorge Polanco might kind of hold that mantle now. Yeah, so we actually had a question, Greg, and I feel like it's a good time to talk about this. We just spoke about Jonathan VR as well. Uh, from Nick Luciano on Twitter, he asked us to rank. We could kind of maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive on each one of these guys. Uh, but Tim Anderson, Elvis Andrus, Jorge Polanco, Fernando Tatis, and Johnny VR. Five really, seems like now, underrated, undervalued shortstops coming into the season. Definitely. And they are all mashing. Uh, he actually brought up a, a pretty cool comp that I hadn't really thought about. He said, Jorge Polanco... Reminds him a little bit of Jose Ramirez from the past couple of years. He doesn't have the same speed. speed yeah. He's not going to run as much. I mean, even with Jose Ramirez struggling this year, I, mean, I think he still has nine or ten stolen bases, so he's been up there. But the bat-to-ball skills are absolutely... I could see that comp with Jose Ramirez because 13.7% strikeout rate. He makes a lot of contact. He's making great contact this year overall, too. 
when he's putting the bat on the ball, 42% hard hit rate, hitting more fly balls, something we've also seen Jose Ramirez do the past couple of years. He's up to a 54% ground ball rate. I would argue that that's even a little bit too high for a guy like Jorge Polanco, but he has been awesome, Greg. 317, a 388 OBP, six homers, 20 runs scored, only 12 ribbies because most of the time he's at the top of that lineup. But as the weather starts to heat up in Minnesota, he could potentially be better. And you know the runs scored are going to be there because he hits at the top of this lineup. Corey Polanco, pretty good ball player, Greg. So how do you rank him, Frank? That was the question from Nick Luciano. Uh, I would rank him... Man, it's interesting because I guess it would depend what format you play in because everyone else that he's kind of lumped in here is going to give you more stolen bases. So in Roto, he might be towards the bottom of the list, and it's no fault of his own. It's just the fact that everyone else on this list is going to steal bases. Yeah. Anderson leads the American League in stolen bases. Elvis Andrus gives you a little bit of a power-speed combination. Fernando Tatis, we saw him steal, like, what, three, four bases in one Same game? with Jonathan VR. He can run. And Johnny VR can run. We can talk about this a little bit more when we get back. But um, Adventure's opinion on it, too. Yeah, and, and these are a lot of guys that he likes, too, so I would, I would like to hear from him. We'll break it down, but Roto might have to rank him a little lower. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. 